You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Well, it uh, it is uh, it's a packed Sunday this this morning. Um, lots going on, but a lot of celebrations, a lot of great things that we can celebrate um, what God is doing in our midst. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question. Um, did you know, Chaz, you could switch it if you want. Uh, do you know what day it is today? Sunday? 28th? Nope. I mean, yes, but nope. <clears throat> today is annual resolution abandonment day. Statistically, while at the beginning of the year, 50% of Americans still make official resolutions, after the first week, 75 are still with it, but by today, almost all of us have abandoned our resolutions. We make resolutions because we want to lose weight, we want to get healthy, we want to get our finances back into shape, and, um, it, the, and the whole idea of really making resolutions really comes down to, um, we want to be better people. We just want to be better people in whatever area of our life, whatever aspect of our life, we just want to be better people because isn't it true that in your life there's often a gap between who I am and who I want to be? Isn't that true? Come on. It's true. In all of our lives, there's certain areas, no matter what stage of life you are, there's always some sort of gap between who you are and who you want to be, and there's sort of a disconnect with your vision of how your life should be going. You know, you're, you're, not, you're not the student you want to be. You're not the, the business person you want to be. You're not the mom you want to be or the dad you want to be. You know, you, you say, I, you know, this year, I want to be, be more forgiving. And yet, you're holding a grudge from last year. Or maybe you say, you know, I want to be more disciplined in my life this year. But then you hit the snooze button like 10 times just this morning, Right? Or you want to be more healthy, and going out of church, instead of no cookies, you grab four. You know, it's, we have this disconnect in our life. There's that gap. And what ends up happening oftentimes in our life is that we fill in these gaps in strange ways. We, we see what, who I want to be, but then we make up these counterfeit me, if you will. And it's like looking in mirrors, and you look at the different mirrors and at different times of your life, and you think of counterfeit me's. Like for one of them, you think of the me that I pretend to be. So I try to convince people that I'm more important than I secretly know I am. I mean, you end up pretending you have these abilities, or you make up some sort of character that you know isn't you. If you've ever been on a job interview, you get in the car and you're what? Exhausted. Because you're pretending to put your best foot forward. You're pretending to be someone who maybe you aren't. Another counterfeit me that you put on is the me I think I should be. This is the one that's motivated by comparison, right? We see all these people and we say, wow, their life is like picture perfect. Their marriage held together after all these years. Their kids are perfect. And where do we see all those things? Social media, right? We, we go on social media, we go on Facebook, and we see the picture of the perfect family or, or the perfect meal that you just ate, you know? And I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, 
But what ends up happening is we get depressed because we are in that gap again. Did you know that social media, when social media became really, really popular about eight years ago or or somewhere in there, that the depression rates for stay-at-home moms skyrocketed because you're comparing your family that you dearly love and dearly know they're flawed to this picture of a family on Facebook that you think is perfect. Um, my wife allowed me to share this story if I shared it correctly, and I'm just going to tell you I probably got it wrong. So just laying it out there. Uh, a couple Mother's Days ago, my, my wife had a Facebook account, and she was going on the Facebook account and looking, scrolling through, and all the kids from all, the, all of our friends, oh, my mom is the greatest, you know, and they have all these flowers and pictures of mom and, and all this stuff. And she goes on in the morning, at noon, three, scrolling, waiting, and gets to the end of the night, and our kids didn't post anything about mom. Now, they had excuses. You know, my son was on tour at that, at that point. My daughter was, getting, was preparing to move from one college to another, so it was just like totally ah, craziness. But Kelly realized that she was getting depressed. She's like, this is stupid. So that day, she deleted her Facebook account. Half of you are going, oh, I wish I could do that, Right? But it's the truth. We compare ourselves. There's a whole series that I want to do on comparison, but we compare ourselves to other people, and we become this this me that I think I should be. The other one is the me that other people want to be. I don't feel free to be myself. You know, I follow other people's agendas. There are so many people that I talk to on a a weekly basis of people especially young, young career people, stepping into a career that their dad was in or their family expected them to be in. And now they're 30, 40, 50 years old and they have a whole career of dissatisfaction and they know they could have done something different with their lives and oftentimes they do. So we live a life, a, a, a counterfeit me, other life based on other people. Another one is the me that fails to be. This is where your soul gets really weary. You have dreams of doing great things or impacting these people, being famous maybe, making a lot of money. But when you don't make it on American Idol, you cry and you feel like a failure. And I've said this before, failure isn't a label. Failure isn't a label, it's an action. You fail at something. Failure is an event, not a label. You fail at something. You are not a failure. That's not how God sees you. In Christ, God sees you as a masterpiece. With all your flaws, with all the the disconnects, you are still a masterpiece to him. You're not a failure. He made you. He sees your soul. He sees your potential. And another counterfeit me, then, is this one. The me I'm afraid God wants me to be. This could be you. You know God loves you, but you forget to read the Bible uh, some one, during one of the days in the morning and you feel like a failure. You feel like God doesn't love you because you're not following the rules. God isn't a God of rules. God is a God of love. He sets up things. He sets up rules to help us get better. But God is a God of love. God says in the Bible, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. Because of Jesus, you are called a child of God. So take a look at this list. Which one are you living right now, if any? Which one have you lived the last year, two years, ten years? Which mirror are you looking at currently? 
in terms of being a counterfeit, me. Well, that's why I love this series we're going into, the me I want to be. It's based on what God wants us to be and how we can live according to what God uh, says. And this, this message is sort of a setup for the series. And I want to just reiterate what Nathan said at the beginning. If you're not in a group, this is going to be okay. But if you really are serious about making some changes and following and learning deeper and deeper what God has for you, which is an abundant life, then being in a group is where you can process that. Even if it's your, just your family, maybe you look around the, the room here and you see p- kid, people with younger kids, you've never met them, they look cool, they don't look like they're going to hurt you. you know, talk to them afterwards and say, let's do this together. It's so worth it. We change in circles, not in rows. So I want us to seek to be the person that God wants us to be, the, God, the person God has called you to be. Did you know you have a calling on your life? You know, God calls you to be in relationship with him. And when you surrender to the Holy Spirit and you lean into how God's wired you and what his purposes are in the world, you'll begin to do something that I believe every single one of you here and on the podcast wants to do. I think every but one of us wants to flourish. Say that word with me. Ready? Go. Flourish. When's the last time you used that word? Isn't that a beautiful word? Yeah, flourish. And often when we think of flourish, flourishing, we think in terms of success. You know, if I'm watching my stocks go through the roof right now, and I've got a lot of money, then I must be flourishing. Or if my son and daughter actually comes home with a boyfriend or girlfriend that you actually like, they must be flourishing. You know? Or if I get healthy this year, then I'm flourishing. But biblically, flourishing does not me, is not me-focused. It describes a beautiful plants and flowers that are invasive, like raspberry plants, you know? They, they not only are beautiful in and of themselves, but they multiply, they grow, they sprout love toward other people. So your flourishing is never just about you. Flourishing always says, so that. I am flourishing so that I can add value and love to other people around me. God says, because of Jesus, you can flourish. We can flourish. I can flourish. John Orborg wrote this. God designed you to flourish so that you could be part of his redemptive project in ways that you otherwise could not. He wants you to flourish so that people can be encouraged, gardens can be planted, music can be written, sick people can be helped, or companies can thrive in ways that otherwise would not. When you fail to become the person God designed, all the rest of us miss out on the gift you were made to give. Because, again, flourishing isn't a look at me. Flourishing is a look at you. How can I grow in you? Or how can I grow in Christ to help you? All throughout the Bible, this idea of flourishing is is very clear. Um, Psalm 92 talks about God making us cedars of Lebanon and and, and, uh, strong uh, strong pine trees that provide shade to others. And then this verse that you're very familiar with, 2 Corinthians, says this, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died, meaning Jesus died. For who? Everyone, for everyone, and there it is, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised 
for them. Then Paul continues, he says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And then, kind of as a side note, he says, At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You know that verse. The, the original language, there's another, um, there's another derivative of the word that, is, that Paul uses, and it says fresh. I actually like that better. It's not like God is in Christ, uh, it, you're you like gone, and then you're a new thing. You know, it's not like in Christ, God looks at you and goes, oh man, did I mess up? I'm starting all over. God takes how you were originally made and makes it fresh. What is it to have something that is fresh in your life? Isn't it great when you find an old motorcycle? In the videos, actually, if you're doing the series, he uses the motorcycle theme through the, the first one I know. Uh, and, and he talks about finding this and restoring an old Indian motorcycle. Oh, it's gorgeous. So you have to be in a small group to see that video, just saying. But he takes that, and when you, it's, it's the same motorcycle, but the, the guy freshens it up, and it's just beautiful. Or when you've been stuck inside because the weather's been negative 18, and then like this week, it turned... 40 and you think it's 80, right? You open up all your windows and the new air, it's fresh, it's new, it's beautiful. That's what this verse means. That's what that word means. That you are, um, in Christ, you become a, not a different person, but a fresh person. The old life is gone, the new has come. Flourishing basically means you're not newer, but you're you-er. You're more you, restored, not exchanged, living up to your full potential. God wants you to flourish so that his redemptive plan and purpose can go out throughout the world. Church, wouldn't you like to flourish like that this year? You say amen. Yeah, good. We're Lutheran, but we could do that still, right? So again, getting back to the series, the goal of the series is really to, to help you think about what is it what does it mean to flourish according to how God would have you live so that, first, we can live a life synced up with how God is operating in the world, but also then to be able to reach more people for Jesus? That's why Jesus went to the cross and died to pay the price for sins. He not only died to rescue you from something, but he died to rescue you to something. And that's to flourish in him, through a life of greater joy and greater impact. So as we look at mirrors in our life, and we'll constantly do this because of sin, maybe today's a day that's different, and you step out of looking at the mirrors you create and look at the mirror that Jesus has created for you, and that's an identity in him, so that you can flourish and reach more people for Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Lord God, it is your redemptive power um, that, uh, that, that restores us um, because in Christ, God, we are new creations. We are new people. We are fresh creations in you. And Father, for many of us, that means all kinds of different things and, and we all have parts of our life that, that we sort of want to hide away and it's easier not to address those parts of our life 
But we know, God, in this series, as we're looking at at mirrors and we're looking uh, at becoming the me that I really want to be, we know that your Holy Spirit is going to dig those up. And maybe now is the time to really address some of those problem areas, some of those flaws. Ultimately, God, we know that you love us. Ultimately, we know that no, no sin can separate us from your presence. And so, God, in this series, as we start today, help us to flourish so that we can add life to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.